0: Assalamu alaykum. Peace and blessings. Welcome to the Corporate Majlis Podcast, where we chat with successful Muslims and learn about their journey in the corporate world. I'm your host Ali, and each week I have a guest from the Muslim community. We discuss their successes, their challenges, and a lot more. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Corporate Majlis Podcast. Today we are traveling over to the US, and my guest is Mrs. Hajmi. Mrs. Hashmi is a teacher and the founder of a Muslim Kids podcast called Once Upon a Crescent.
1: I am a teacher and I've worked at an Islamic school Uh, right after I graduated um, with my teacher certification. I knew that I wanted to become a teacher because I absolutely adore children. I'm the youngest in my family, so I never had a younger sibling. So I kind of always gravitated towards younger kids. So it's so funny because every time I would tell people that I'm studying to be a teacher, they would brush me off and they'd be like, oh, you're going to change your major. You're going to change your career. This is just your first preference. But I kind of always knew that, no, I want to be around kids, something about children and, you know, the real innocence that I always felt so drawn into. So um, I actually got married while I was studying to become a teacher and I had my my son when I was like a second year student. So I had to put my teaching degree on pause, and I became a stay at home mom. And then I pursued this teaching degree all over again. And you know, subhanallah it's amazing. I feel like Allah has a timeline for everyone. You know, I graduated high school early in order to get ahead in life. But it didn't really serve me in any kind of way. You know, we think like, oh, we're going to plan this and we're going to be this way. And this is what my timeline is going to look like. But, you know, Allah has his plans. So it took me seven years to complete my education degree and to become a teacher.
0: Is that how long it usually takes?
1: No, not at all. It takes, in the States, it takes like four years. But um, because I had my son in the middle... I just kind of took a break and I took part-time classes, I took summer classes. It was all dependent on who was going to be with my son while I was uh, attending these courses. So, it to me it sounds very like it sounds like this long and drawn out education um but you know, subhanallah now that I look back at it, I'm like, you know, 7 years. That was a good 7 years of my life that I feel like really aligned with what was going on. Like every time I had um, courses about um, like child development from ages zero to two, I had my son who was zero to two. And then the next course was, you know, how to, um, how to understand children from two to four. My son was entering that time period, two to four. So it really felt like this like divine timing, like subhanAllah. I'm always thinking back to that. So it was really interesting how that played out. And as soon as I was done with my degree, I decided that I wanted to work as an Islamic school teacher. And my husband, he was he was so against it. He's like, Islamic school teacher, you know, they don't even get paid well. And, you know, they have all these politics and it's going to be it's going to be hard work and you have to answer to X, Y, Z. But something about, you know, being in an Islamic school setting, even with all of the challenges that comes with it, I still wanted to pursue that because I was like, you know, I want to provide an edge for our kids. Our kids need to be um, pushed the same way that public school kids are pushed. And, you know, maybe Islamic schools don't have the resources as public schools, but I wanted to give that, you know, in my mind, I was giving them my expertise as a fresh new graduate. So alhamdulillah, like that really planted this this seed of, you know, we need to do more for our Muslim kids. We need to um, We need to really cement their identity at a young age. And I think that exposure was really good for me. I taught at an Islamic school for three years. And then I had um, my second son, who is now four years old. And I took a break from working altogether. And then I had my daughter soon after, who is now one and a half. So ever since then, four years ago, I've been at home um, with my kids. I'm homeschooling my kids now. I think this... um, this really kind of propelled things for me i kept thinking you know i wanted i want to serve muslim children in a way that is going to be meaningful so initially i thought i would write children's books for muslim kids but, you know, that um, that was booming around 2016, 2017. There were so many Muslim authors, like so many talented women that are mothers themselves that knew how to cater um, in this in this aspect. Like, you know, there were uh, bookshelf and um, and Duck and so many amazing uh, Muslim content. So I kind of stepped step back. I was really intimidated. I was like, mm, I don't know if this is out. This is cut out for me. And in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, maybe I will do something similar where I um, provide like, uh, like a different kind of service for Muslim kids. And I think this pandemic really helped like propel me into this, um, into into this arena. Because when I was going through a really tough time in my life during the pandemic, shortly before it actually, my mother in law was uh, diagnosed with cancer. And I was this in this caregiver role, and I had to kind of push everything to the back burner. I kept thinking, you know what, this is not the right time to pursue um, my dreams. This is not the right time to pursue something that will be time-consuming. And my sister-in-law, she reached out to me. She has this halakha group in Chicago, and she asked, she was like, you know, do you want to do something for the kids, like a Zoom interactive meeting where you could do a puppet show or do a story time? And I loved that idea. It was, it was very appealing and with that, I thought, you know, I'm going to do a story time. And it started off with me telling a story, like an original story that I had made up on my phone through WhatsApp, like through the uh, audio recording feature and me telling a story in my closet. <laughs> and I just kind of thought, you know what? I don't care what it is. This is, this is my thing. I'm going to tell stories for kids through my phone. And like the feedback on that one story, which is now on my podcast, Tiger's Territory, it was amazing. Like this one audio clip was circling around on WhatsApp. All these mothers were getting like this audio clip on their phone and they were messaging me back. And I was even getting um, audio clips from their kids thanking me about this story and asking me questions about the story. And it was such a hit. It was just amongst that WhatsApp group. And my sister in law, she really pushed me. She was like, "Okay, you know, this is something that kids want. You know, this is something that would be great, and you know, in this in this new pandemic lifestyle, you know, we need to entertain children in some way." So she decided to um, really push me and motivate me to pursue this podcasting avenue, and it's been great. Alhamdulillah. Like honestly, the time that it came into my life, it was my creative outlet you know, people talk about caregiver burnout, you know, with three young kids. And then on top of that, my mother-in-law, who was going through chemo treatment, um, we all live together. So it was, it was like caregiver burnout to the max. And I was constantly looking for a recharge, an escape or something, something that felt meaningful to me, where I'm not just, you know, depositing in other people, but not depositing in myself. So this, this project was my way of that creativity just kind of flowing out. It was a big stress reliever for me. Alhamdulillah. You know, it's it was, it was amazing because it's kind of like Allah sends you things based on your need in your life during that time. So that's how the idea of Once Upon a Crescent the the podcast was born. It was like a passion project, creativity project. It was honestly, truthfully, when it began, it was an escape. It was like a mental escape, like an escape from reality. And, you know, we can't physically go anywhere because of the pandemic. So I'd just be in my room and like, you know, these ideas of how how do we teach children Islamic values without it becoming so preachy? You know, children definitely pick up on that tone like they do not want to be told what to do all the time, every time. And, you know, I know you have um, you you have a you have a daughter as well. So I know that you yeah. can kind of relate to that. Like, you know, kids don't want to be told every single thing. And this is my way to kind of um, kind of like, you know, make make it a means for children to understand the bigger picture when it comes to Islamic values.
0: When you had those children uh, message you back and, you know, kind of show you that what you're doing is obviously impacting them quite a fair bit. How did you feel?
1: Oh, my goodness. It was I was I was on cloud nine because, you know, when you are teaching, you literally see like the the faces like they, they, their eyes widen. There's like a light bulb that goes out, you know, when they make these connections and they and they reflect and they like have this deep understanding of what you're trying to impart. That's what I knew was happening with these children because the moms were texting me back and saying, you know, the things that you're saying in the story, I'm seeing that in my child. And it was amazing because um, there was one story that I have uh, in Eid Surprise where the character in the story, she tapes her gift to her sister um, behind a homemade Eid card because her gift never came in in the mail. So she tapes her gift on this homemade Eid card and one of the moms she texted me and she was like my son wrote out a happy birthday card for my husband and taped a gift on the back of that card <laughs> and it was so sweet I was like oh like it's 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 really meaningful when you know that these ideas are planted in a good way in their in their mind
0: and obviously you put in a lot of hard work getting an episode out right and it feels so great to know that it's having an impact and people enjoy them that keeps you going and it's the same for me when i hear people say hey this is such a great initiative and this is amazing we enjoy the content there's days when i'm like you know what let's just turn this thing off (laughs) it's a lot of hard work it's too much work it's Mm -hmm. i can spend you know up to 10 hours an episode what's your um i guess creative workflow how do you how do you go from the conception of an idea for of a story to the to the final product, which is the the launch of the episode on your podcast?
1: Yeah, you know this is a great question. Another um, another person asked asked me the same thing. Um, I think it's just this mindfulness. When I'm with my kids, I just watch them, right? I really, I look at their interactions. I hear the dialogue going on between my eight-year-old son and my four-year-old son. And then I see like their dynamic and I see, okay, what do I want them to understand in this moment, like about conflict resolution? So one of the stories that I sent um, that I uploaded just this past month was Qasim's superhero t-shirt. It's completely based on my four-year-old. My four-year-old loves um, changing his clothes. And my eight-year-old gets very upset about that because he takes too long to get ready. He takes forever to leave the house. He needs a specific t-shirt, a specific pants, and he needs to be matching. And I see like my eight-year-old getting riled up. And I'm like, how do I teach him to manage his emotions and to, you know, give his little brother a pass? So I, I look up like how... Um, how this relates to Islam. And one of the things was forgiveness, right? Between between siblings. So that was the theme of one of my stories. And subhanAllah, like even I'm sometimes taken aback. I'm like, I don't even know how this story pieced together in this way. Because the way I work, it's very cluttered. It's very scatterbrained. And I think a lot of creative people have the same trait where they don't have like this scheduled one hour, let me sit on my laptop and type away a story. It's never like that, right? I'm jotting down a um, little dialogue here. And then while I'm putting my daughter to sleep, I'm typing up notes on my phone about what I think would be helpful. And, you know, I do this for a week and I just kind of piece it together until I'm able to have like a full, like the meat of a story. And then of course, you know, I'll I'll, I'll spend like a 30 minute um sprint at it. But subhanAllah, kind of like, I think when it comes to creative juices, like you don't you can't really relate until you've actually feel that inspiration. Like, oh okay, this is a great idea. I need to jot this down. <laughs> at least that it, that's how it is with me. I jot it down, I piece it together, and then, you know, I just sit in front of the mic and I and I think to myself, like, if I'm sitting in front of a, my my classroom and there are a group of 10, 15 little kids at story time on the on the rug, how would I narrate this story? and using that like visualization i go right at it i just start narrating the story with the different voices and different you know intonations and all that so alhamdulillah, very very meaningful for me as a teacher and as a mother
0: when we spoke last you told me that you were working on another project as well right um mm-hmm. can you tell me a bit more about that project
1: Yes. So um, this is kind of tied into my passion and my creativity. So like I said, you know, something that can serve the Muslim kid population to really cement their identity at a young age. Um, When I think about this whole virtual schooling setting, I look at my son who is itching to have social interaction with kids. He is, he misses having friends. He misses having a conversation with, you know, a kid at his level, his age. And I think like this kind of inspired me to, inshallah, you know, make a social media platform specifically for Muslim kids. I want them to have a safe space online to interact with each other and, you know, to interact with other invested adults as well. Like the way I think about it is I want an online community catered to Muslim kids. And there's this idea that I'm working with and I'm kind of fiddling around with about having like this online hotline even, you know, where you can send a message to a mentor, a teacher, a scholar, and really delve into content that is easily accessible for Muslim kids like 8+. plus. Um, Over here in the States, there is something called um, PBS. It's like Public um, Broadcasting Network. It's like very educational and their website is amazing, very interactive, easy, easy for kids to maneuver around. And I think the main appeal for me is to create something like that, but with a forum so that kids can post about them, their work, their artwork, kind of like a gallery and answer questions and reflections about different prompts. And it would really be moderated to ensure that kids can interact with one another safely online. Because, you know, as great as Facebook and Instagram are, we all know the drawbacks of those social media platforms. And there's like harmful effects of that for young developing minds. So for me, I ask myself, why not have something for our Muslim children that's safe and interactive, engaging, and that can also give that connectedness that children crave? So that's definitely something I'm brainstorming. I'm reaching out to individuals to see if they would want to um, bring this idea to life. Um, For me personally, it would mean that I'm giving back to the community.
0: What kind of challenges have you faced within, I guess, within the teaching industry and as a mother, as a Muslim, as someone who's living in the States? I -hmm. guess because a lot of my listeners are obviously based out of Australia here. But um, you you will be the first um, episode that goes live that's not um, someone from the Australian community. So I would love to sort of hear the challenges you guys face over there.
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, for me personally, I feel like I haven't been immersed into a non-Muslim setting as much as I have been immersed in a Muslim setting. Because right after I graduated from university, I started working at an Islamic school. But you know, even then, subhanAllah, everybody has their own bias, even within like the Muslim community, right? Like, are you Muslim enough? Are you conservative enough? Are you liberal enough? So I feel like judgment, critiquing, thats that will always be there. Um, but personally, one challenge that I faced in, in teaching and also podcasting is um, this judgment about how old I am, you know, there's this idea that if you're young, you're naive, you're inexperienced, and you know, people kind of write you off that you don't know what you're doing. And I think that's it's such a it's such a harmful comment to pass about, you know, someone's age. But I feel like I'm the type of person who wants to learn. I want to learn from my mistakes. I'm okay with failing. And you know, every wise and mature person was also young and naive at some point, right? So, to me, I really had to push past this this mental roadblock that I'm I'm young and I, I shouldn't be doing this Oh, okay podcasting is like something that older people do I think for me personally it was like a like a mental you know a roadblock but alhamdulillah, I'm like you know what I'm I have an inner child and I think I will use that to my advantage um, another challenge I would say um, I, I had was just uh, balancing out you know being a, a mother a wife and trying to carve out time for my own like aspirations. Like, I want to do more. I want to be more. And so I remember in the beginning of this um, podcasting journey... Uh, My husband was uh, very much involved and I'm so grateful that he was involved because he's so technical and he's so, mashallah, he's very organized and he handles all like uh, all of the admin things because, you know, I'm like a creative brain. I'm scatterbrained. I would not be able to keep up with all the accounts that I need in order to have a podcast and where to upload and how to upload. So it's kind of like he he really has my back on on this aspect. But I think just having this um, challenge of time. Like, you know, where do I take out time from? I don't want to do it during the day when the kids want my, you know, want my attention. I don't want to do it during the weekend when it's supposed to be like a family time. So I think um, just pushing yourself to really tap into your motivation, like, okay, Yes, I'm tired. Yes, I'm sleepy. Yes, this is my me time, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to progress. I'm going to inch further to my goal because this is meaningful for me. So I think it took a while, you know, with any kind of change, with any kind of new obstacle and new challenge that you take on, you have to find the right groove. And I think it took me a while to find that right groove. Everything was kind of like a learning curve, you know, and even GarageBand, for example, the um, software that I use to record and to insert all these sound effects within my stories, I had to search up YouTube tutorials, Um, because my husband he he learned it and you know he absorbed it but his way of teaching just it did not sit well with me (laughs) he was just like okay you click this you do this and you're good right and i'm just sitting here like i have 10 million questions but i'm too scared to ask right now (laughs) so i will find out myself
0: (laughs) it's amazing when you have partners who um who support your cause um Mm -hmm. when you were saying when when you were talking about these things it is a very similar situation to mine so in my case i do all the recording i do all that fun stuff but my wife's the editor and she and she's she's very picky on on how things should sound and how things should um be written out (laughs) like even if it's a if i've if i've got an apostrophe out of place won't hear the end of it. Um, I, I, she's a, she's a grammar Nazi. Um, yeah. But yeah, an episode won't air until she's heard it. She's happy with it. Um, so I I mean I I really like when you have someone who who's you know also committed to your cause that helps. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, it, it definitely just makes my episodes a lot more um, cleaner to listen to.
1: Definitely, yeah. This is a dedicated shout out to our spouses.
0: Hundred <laughs> percent. Um. How do you define success? What does success mean to you?
1: Yeah, um, you know, this is this is funny, because going back to my husband, um, we had this entire conversation too. you know, he is in he's in IT, he's very analytical. So after some episodes were aired, he would sit me down and show me charts. (laughs) And he would show me numbers and show me trends. And he would kind of like analyze them with me. And it literally took the fun out of it. I'm like, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not relying on this. And I had to have this conversation too. like, success to me is very qualitative and it's not measured in numbers. And one way that I measure my success is through direct feedback from parents about how their children have absorbed and enjoyed the stories. And one thing that tells me that I'm doing the right thing is um, when my kids, you know, when my kids are about to go to sleep, and they ask for my podcast, and I tell them, okay, well, you know, we'll do this episode, and then we're going to turn it off. And they keep telling Google like okay Google next okay Google next because they want to keep hearing and I'm like oh my gosh like for me this is like parenting autopilot you know so I'm like that is a form of success but most recently um, I won't I was approached by a sister and um, on Instagram who runs this uh, Muslim mentorship program uh, and it's all virtual she coaches young girls and she has like these group therapy sessions through zoom And during her sessions with these group of girls, they listen to the podcast and they discuss the story and they relate to it in different ways and you know the biggest hit for that group of girls who are 9 plus is the Baba's Hijab Help story it's a story about a girl who's supposed to be um getting ready for a party her mom promises to help her but you know she has to run an errand unexpectedly the baba has to um the father has to get her daughter get his daughter ready and to me it's it's so funny because um, all these little girls are listening to the story and they're laughing and they're giggling and they go and tell their own father to do their hijabs and they would like their father to help them one day with their hijab. So it's like kind of like this idea that that they heard in a story that they are pushing in real life. So to me, that is definitely success. And I got to meet these girls through the mentorship program um, we did this Meet the Author event on Zoom, and all the girls were so like bright-eyed, subhanAllah. They were so eager to meet me and greet me, and they had questions. And during that session itself, I just wanted to impart this uh, message that you are enough. You are enough for the world. You never have to dim your light. You know, just a piece of inspiration for little girls to hear And I left that uh, Meet the Author event Zoom call feeling so light in my heart. Like, subhanAllah, I was able to impart something onto them. And it was very meaningful. And I actually promised to use their names in my stories during Season 2, Season 3. So they're very excited. They're, like, tuning in to hear their name in the stories. Um, recently there was another thing that kind of was a milestone for me Um, there was a UK radio station called uh, Unity FM and they picked up my stories and they heard it and one of the managers emailed me and they asked permission to play it on their children's hour they usually play like um, Mirage audio stories or like Nasheeds or things like that so they, they wanted to play my stories and I have a family member in UK who I am in and out of touch with, but she messaged me and she's like, I heard your story on the radio. And I was like, it was like full circle, subhanAllah. I was like, yes, you know, you heard it and your kids enjoyed it. And it was, for me, it was kind of like, I, I, I really understood the power of sharing, you know, all of these supportive moms on Instagram who want to share the word, who want to support this podcast. And it landed You know, somehow on a UK radio station hour, Alhamdulillah. And they asked me to um, have kind of like a meet the author segment as well, like for the radio station. So I sent a clip in asking my kid listeners to send their comments, their questions or any of their reflections with their name and age to Unity FM uh, email address so that I can read them during that segment on the radio So Alhamdulillah, it's been it's been exciting. I'm like, yes, I get to connect with even more kids.
0: (laughs) On your Instagram, you have um, artwork for your stories. Where Mm -hmm. do you get the artwork done?
1: (laughs) The artwork? Oh, man, on my phone through Canva. Like it's it's very I'm actually embarrassed about it. I think it's so mediocre. (laughs) But I mean, it's kind of like, you know, as an author, you you want to uh, ignite a type of um, emotion through storytelling. And then my creative side wants to build a type of suspense over the story. So I do these Uh, Instagram posters for each of my stories myself based on what I think is significant like the Baba's hijab help I, I had like little pins in there and different colored hijabs to like pique the interest and I know like none of the kids will actually see this artwork but even for moms for them to see like oh okay this is something interesting I definitely want to tune into that this looks good to to talk about with my kids but i'm i'm it's so funny that you brought that up it's me i do
0: it <laughs> it's you know i would disagree with you on the point that you made that it's mediocre i actually thought you commissioned this stuff it looks very um you know the the kind of artwork that's around these days when it comes to kids books like i would not have imagined that you were doing this on canva
1: Oh, um, <laughs> thank you so much
0: and that's why i asked i was like where do you get this done like you must have someone mm. that you're paying but clearly you're doing all this on your own
1: yeah i i i am um my my husband says the same thing he's just like you're just the one person show you don't want to release control you don't want anyone in on your zone <laughs> it's so funny i think that creative people are kind of possessive of their things right like we we don't know if our vision will come to life if we don't do it
0: yeah. it's and it's your brainchild right it's like you know yes. you, you came up with this and you don't want to lose gonna i mean i have the same um the same problem as well like i you know i don't want people controlling my show i mean it's it's my thing it's, i put this together
1: mm-hmm, absolutely
0: i want to ask you what mistakes have you made in life
1: it's, a, it's uh, i'm actually thinking about that too the word mistake it really it really lights up my brain in different ways because i'm thinking about the most recent one um, you know 2 months ago uh, my daughter she she jumped off the sofa and she sprained her ankle And the day that she sprained her ankle was the day that I committed to upload a story so i spent like two hours in the urgent care trying to get her cast on and you know internally i'm freaking out that you know i went through the same doorway as covid patients and what if i get covid what if she got covid like i was very stressed out that day and the mistake that i made that day was i uploaded a story that was not the right version because i was in a hurry you know i was tired i was tired my daughter was cranky and i just wanted to like click get it done and let it be off my plate. And I think that Hanala, this is so true about life too, right? We need to slow down. We need to like really keep our nerves in check and not let it interfere with with how we think. And that day, I, I specifically remember... I was jittery and I was rushed. I was frantic. And my husband's asking me, like, are you sure this is the right version? And I'm like, yes, I'm sure. Like, I just worked on this. You can just upload it. And then when it was uploaded, it was like a release off my shoulders. And then later on, after my daughter fell asleep, I listened to the same story because I always listen to it after it's uploaded. And there was like this two-minute hole of no audio. (laughs) Oh, it was so embarrassing. I looked at the numbers. I'm like, oh my goodness, 40 people have downloaded this cut-up version. And I'm going to lose these 40 listeners because my, I guess, to me, my credibility, my reputation was at stake. Like, I do not want to be known as this person who puts out choppy material, right? So, subhanAllah, that day I, I was like, you know what? I need to slow down. I need to be thorough. I need to take out the extra five minutes to really reel in my emotions so I can get to a place like in like a higher thinking place. Like, okay, yes, today was stressful. Yes. And I do this a lot. I talk to myself a lot throughout the day. I think it's very therapeutic. You should try it if you're ever stressed out, (laughs) you know, like acknowledge the feeling. Yes, today was stressful. I should have done that. But, you know, you live and you learn.
0: It's, um funny you mentioned that i don't know a lot of people say people who talk to themselves are very intelligent
1: oh okay <laughs> so that's good
0: <laughs> i used to have a, a back in uni in the dorms i used to have a um a room partner um and he used to talk to himself and he used to drive me crazy
1: um, he was
0: intelligent though um he was actually pretty good at studying i wasn't that great
1: that's funny because I tell my son to do the same thing because I'm like, you know what? It's better to process your emotions than to unload it onto someone else, yeah. right? Like your stress is in is in your control. Like you have to address the elephant in the room before you can move on. But subhanAllah, that day that day was very it was such a chaotic day. But now I know I'm like, I can physically tell the signs of stress within me because of that experience. Like my knees are tapping or my toes are tapping and my heart's racing. So I think it was, you know, it was meant to be. It was meant to be to make that that big (laughs) blunder.
0: How do you de-stress? What are your passions? What are your hobbies? What do you do outside of all of this?
1: Yeah, um, alhamdulillah, my kids are are very enjoyable. Like I know parenting is very stressful and I I admit it myself, like it's very stressful. You want time for yourself. But I think there are moments in the day where there is real like joy and real happiness that we don't like pause and look at. And this is kind of an exercise that I do for myself to really tell myself to live in the moment. So when I hear my kids laughing, and I know it sounds very cliche, but when I hear my kids laughing, like I will stop what I'm doing and I will just marvel, marvel at their childhood and marvel at this time of innocence. Like, you know, subhanAllah, childhood is such a gift. It is such a beautiful time. And some people have like very traumatic childhoods. And I also, I have been, I've been through a lot in my childhood that I really feel has shaped me to be the person who I am And I look at my kids and I'm like, alhamdulillah, you know, they've been saved from some certain certain adversities. So I think being mindful of that moment, like, you know, alhamdulillah, things are good. Things are good. Look at these smiles. Look at these, look at this joy. So I think for me, my kids really do provide that for me, you know, as crazy as the house gets. So man, there's Legos everywhere on the floor. There's laundry piled up, you know, all that aside, like, I feel like that's just regular life. But things that i like to do is i really do like watching my children like just looking at their faces and kind of like soaking up their you know their happiness i know it sounds very cliche but it's true it's it's really truly what i feel
0: as muslims you know we need to be refining ourselves we need to be getting better at um whatever we do be that spiritually be that professionally what are some of the things that you do to personally develop yourself
1: um, that's uh, that's that's a really great question. I'm actually taking this course right now. It's um, by Cyrus Siddiqui. She's this education uh, educational like figure here in the states, and she's an advocate of um, unschooling. So there's this um, idea that children who go through the public school system here in the states are actually um, slowly it slowly kills their creativity and their drive to learn themselves because innately children are always learning right no matter what they're they're making sense of their world but when we put them through such a rigid structured environment they kind of lose the ability to think for themselves and be that critical higher um, learner that we want them to be so I think this really um, this really trickled down into my parenting this year when I saw my my eight-year-old was doing Uh, so negatively with the stressors of virtual learning. He had like this online exam. He's eight years old. Mind you, he's eight years old. He had this um, online exam and it didn't turn out well because he was not prepared for it. He couldn't even exit the test because it was like this lockdown browser. That's what it's called, lockdown (laughs) browser. Like imagine like for an eight-year-old, it's just intensely scary. There's no turning back and when i saw when i saw the anxiety when i saw the stress it really hit a light bulb i'm like you know this is not the right way this this kills the spark of learning and i don't want that for my children so i took this course unschooling unveiled and she has helped me transform my ideals and really to refine my understanding of how children learn and i think that just understanding children on a different level than i already do on a deeper level and really having like that empathetic lens like this is your child's world we need to step into their world and we need to meet them where they are it was so transformative for me in my parenting and in even in my storytelling you know you know some of the characters the focus is on the character's experience and i think that it has it was such a resource, and I and I encourage everybody to check out her work. She's on Instagram, uh, Saira Siddiqui is her name, and she is, uh, Mashallah, very critically. Um, she's a she's a critical thinker, and that's what I love about her. And there's another book that I uh, recommend. Um, I think it could help any any parent out there. It's called How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and How to Listen So Kids Will Talk and it's written by Adele Faber, and it's uh, a book that was required for me to read to complete my university degree, and it models this respectful parenting outlook, and this is the type of parenting that I try to incorporate into my stories, like, you know, if the mom or the dad has to address a child, in what shape and form is that interaction unfolding in, And those are kind of like the premises, like these layers that I have for character development, even in my stories. And I try to aspire to be like that, you know, the respectful parenting approaches, um, it's fairly new, especially in our Desi community, you know, we, that is not something um, that is looked <laughs> looked at with, you know, with applause or anything like that. I, my husband and I go back and forth about my, my parenting enlightenment <laughs> and he's like, what? Choices? Why do they need choices? And I'm like, no, they do need choices. It makes them feel like they're in control. <laughs> And it really just, um, it really opens the door to understanding like your child on a deeper level. Like, oh, this is what he means. And this is what he sees when I say this. And it's been very transformative, great resource. So I really hope people check out that book as well.
0: Mrs. Hashmi, thank you so much for your time today. Um, And I really hope that Allah puts Barakah in this project of yours. And, you know, a lot of younger kids learn so many good values that, you know, schooling these days doesn't necessarily teach them in the, the world that we live in. We've forgotten so many things and, and you're bringing a lot of those things back um, in a fun way for them to um, sort of engage with and consume. The last question that I have for you is, what are three pieces of advice you can give me?
1: So um, the three top key takeaways that I would love for people to really um digest is to have open uh conversations with their children and i think that's one of the aims that i have for once upon a crescent the podcast is meant to engage children in a story that will spark curiosity that will spark discussion and it will really push open that window to islamic values for for their understanding and i'm going to give you a quick example um for for my latest story that I have, Hidayah and Rukia's mystery mission. I feature a child living with disabilities as one of the characters. And when my son heard this story, immediately he had a string of questions about children who live with disabilities and how the parents care for them and why that may have happened. And, you know, SubhanAllah, it was a beautiful bridge. It was like he was crossing a bridge in his mind. He was making connections. He was forming understandings. And he was meeting me with this curiosity-driven um, uh, mind to help me make sense of what he's learning. And I think that's really important. Like sometimes we don't, we don't really, we kind of brush off children's questions like, oh, it's it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. But it's really a talking point. It's an opportunity. It's a way for you to impart something onto your child. So my main takeaway would be, you know, really toy with that question, dig deeper, let them ask questions and answer them with an open mind And inshallah, you'll see, like, the fruits of that. And one other takeaway that I have is, you know, intention. You know, I I know a lot of your guests say this, and I am such a believer about this. Have the right intention. You know, my, my dua in Ramadan was that I do something to serve the ummah. And subhanAllah, it makes me feel like Allah did accept this dua, and I'm here to do exactly that. I'm here to put out content that will serve, Um, some sort of uh, building block in their mind about Islamic values. It will nudge them to be more compassionate, more empathetic, inshallah. So I think having a sincere intention really drives every goodness in your life, inshallah. The last takeaway is um, about barakah. And I I know that with me, specifically, I ask Allah for barakah. I, I make dua so much that Allah put barakah in my work, in my words, in... And these um, characters that I'm making up in my stories, like I want them to have this impact, this reach. And I make that du'a before every recording, before every submission on, on, you know, Ophonic when I'm uploading these um, episodes. And I think du'a is very important for us Muslims.
0: That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and found it valuable. I'd love your support and feedback. You can do so by subscribing to the show and following it on Instagram at Corporate Majlis and sharing it with family and friends. Let me know what you thought of this episode as your feedback helps me tailor your experience for the better. Till next week, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.